and welcome to Rusted Junk, the 80s movie podcast. Do you dream about gremlins? How hard can you actually die? Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? If those mean something to you, then you're in the right place. This season, we're all about a dip into the 90s. So over to Charlie, Amanda, Joe and Dom for the film. Uh, hello and welcome to all our new viewers. Our existing viewers, obviously, of course, but welcome to our new viewers. Listeners. And listeners. Yes. Yeah, viewers. <laughs> viewers I was going to talk about because we got a massive boost on YouTube, so sorry. We do love you listeners and viewers alike. Of course you do. But the last podcast we did, Speed, was the best performing YouTube video that we had. So I just wanted to start from my point of view and just say thank you to all of you. you you're all lovely people. Um you know, if you can hit the like and subscribe button, if you can do the same on, on your podcast provider of choice, that would be really beneficial. We'd really appreciate that. And tell um, your mates as well. Yeah, and tell your mates. And if you'd like to see a particular 90s film, in this particular case, because we're doing a dip in the 90s, get in touch. Uh, leave us a comment on YouTube. Uh, send us a message on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Rusted, at Rusted J Pod. So send us a message. Get in touch. Just have a chat. Tell us what you think. Um, so yeah, that'd be great. Anyway, we are covering um, Pulp Fiction today, um, and I do have a description just before I introduce you to the uh, to Joe, who, or in this case, the Gimp, uh, who was the one that uh, <laughs> chose this film. Uh, Pulp Fiction is a 1994 American independent crime film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino from a story conceived w- with Roger Avery. Uh, it's a film about the lives of two mob hitmen, a boxer, a gangster and his wife, and a pair of diner bandits intertwined in four tales of violence and redemption. It took $213 million from an $8 million budget and has Rotten Tomato approval ratings of 92 critic score and 96% audience score. Joe, I think we can all say that is a good choice and the sound foundation of which to, uh, uh, of which to choose the film. But... Why did you choose it, man? I was so glad to hear that we were going into the 90s. I love the 80s, but there are a lot of the movies in the 90s that I really enjoyed too. And I have to say, Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie of all time. Is it? Yes, it is. And I oh, would, oh. yeah, I mean, I have a lot, I would say a, a top 10, but I, I, and it goes back and forth, but I would say it firmly sticks at number one for me. Because I I do think it's, I wouldn't say it's 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 as close to perfect as you're gonna get. I do have one problem, which I guess we'll get into it later, which is a minor nitpick and all that. But I just think it was just so well done and so filmed and something that we really needed coming out of the '80s in a way too, because it kind of redefined how movies were going to be in the '90s. Well, some of them anyway. You know, it was. You know, even Quentin Tarantino says it too. It's less, the 80s were more feel-good type of movies. This was like, it definitely very hard, very dark, you know, and just a lot of fun too. And it, and he's just, I he's definitely up there with Scorsese and um, Kubrick as one of the, the greatest directors, you know, ever, <laughs> that ever existed since uh, film's inception. And... Yeah, I, I don't want to hog this too much, but uh, and I, I know you guys. <laughs> I I know I said I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to tell you right now that this is a ten for me. I have 
I've never given a 10 on any of these podcasts that we've done for any of the films that we've done, but this is definitely a 10. And I probably, I might have five tens out of all the movies that I've seen. Um, so it's hard to get that from me anyway. Wow. This is your favorite 10. I guess you like it then, Joe. I um, do. I real. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Did you wow. score t- in any of the 80s movies? I'm sorry, what was that? Did you score a 10 in any of the 80s movies no. that we've ever read? Wow. Okay. Says the co-host of the of the podcast. Yeah. So just remind me in the in the podcast that we did. Did you did you ever score a 10? I think we'd know if Joe ever scored a 10. Yeah. I mean Well, I was just checking. He scored a nine for Joker. I remember on your podcast, mm. Joe, you never scored anything over eight. And suddenly from out of nowhere, you gave nine to Joker. And I was like, mm. wow, you you can go above eight. This is this is unheard of. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But ten. Wow. Um, who wants to go next? Adrenaline, Amanda. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few weeks off. I'm still not feeling great, but let's give it a whirl today. Um, right. Okay. So, um, I really love this movie. It's a great movie. Um, just an absolute classic from Tarantino, I think. I don't think there's a movie I haven't liked that he's done, to be perfectly honest, but this one actually is one of my favourites of his. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it, it takes us through a, a very sporadic but well-connected, I hate the word, journey uh, into some very um, colourful characters and... Um, really um odd sort of scenes and scenarios um that's very entertaining and it 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 just keeps you watching the movie um i don't think any part of the movie is actually flat at all um you do get that in some movies but this it just keeps keeps you you know watching from start through to finish um i think it's an absolute classic love it yeah I mean, okay. what's great too is there's so many subplots yeah. in this and different stories, and that none of them are weak. They're all good. It's yeah, like exactly like you can't say, well, it was good, except I wasn't crazy about this section. You know, it, the, the the bit with the um, history of the watch with Christopher Walken, I I didn't remember that, and then when I saw, it, I was like, oh god, yeah, and I was like, oh, but this bit's a bit boring, isn't it? And, but then you think, actually, no, it's not because. You 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 get to see the importance of why the watch is so dear to like the character of Bruce Willis and and the the, the efforts that it took to get that watch to him when he was younger, um, which is actually quite disgusting in a way, but it, it just shows the lengths that people would go to in order to provide a family heirloom, if you could call it that, an heirloom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dom, Dom to Don. Yeah, so uh, I'll continue the the loving, but with, you know, I suppose the caveat I would say is that I'm not a big Quentin Tarantino fan in the sense that, unlike Amanda, there are films of his that I don't actually like that much, and some oh, that certainly flaws. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm sure you know. I've, well, I've prepared a when we've done Roll Call, I've prepared a Quentin Tarantino section for that because he's as integral, his directorial style is as important to this film as any of the performances by the actors. I think. Um, but this, for me, is when he was at his absolute zenith. Reservoir Dogs is um, in my top three all-time Tarantino films. So his wow. early Tarantino, for me, is definitely his best 
uh, era. Um, yeah, but but I love it. And I think Joe's point was well made that it's kind of a era defining film. I think there's a before and an after pulp fiction in yeah. American and world cinema. And um, yeah, it's just going to be a fantastic film to get our teeth into and enjoy. So what it lacks in tension for our scores at the end of this odd, hopefully we can entertain our new listeners and viewers with with our thoughts and insights into it. But yeah, w- wonderful film. Yeah, well, I, I really kind of, I, I mean, I remember the first time I saw this, uh, I, I, you know, it's one of those things whereby, you know, suddenly I go, well, which cinema did I watch this in? Which cinema? I was in the Gateshead Metro Centre. I was living in Newcastle at the time. I travelled all the way to Gateshead to watch it in proper Dolby surround, Dolby everything. I wanted the best experience for it after seeing Reservoir Dogs. Uh, it was one o'clock in the afternoon. Obviously, I'm a student. I'm going it anytime I like. Um, and was sat there with I 50 people maximum. Because maybe people, maybe it was the afternoon. Obviously, people were working. But you would expect a film like that to get more people in. Pretty much everyone in the cinema was just stunned afterwards. It was just, it, I remember the feeling of getting up and nobody sort of saying anything to each other. And, but everyone's sort of giving each other a look going, what, what, what is it that we just watched? Um, I, I I mean, Jaws is my favourite film of all time. And it's pretty much a master, you know, masterpiece of what it is. But I can't find a flaw in this film at all. I, I, I doubt you'd look for it. Um, you said, Joe, that you had some minor annoyances, even though you gave it a 10. Maybe we might agree on them. Maybe we might, you know, say, well, you know, I wasn't keen on Fabian, for example. But do, do these little minor things detract from, you know, the deserved masterpiece that it is? Um, I'll go back to something you said quickly, Joe. You said that, you know, or, or was it was it you, Amanda? There's not a, a Tarantino film that you that you didn't that you don't like. Yeah, me. The first time I watched Once Upon a Time um, in America, um. I didn't get it. In Hollywood. In Hollywood, sorry. Um, I didn't get it. I I wasn't into it. I didn't didn't really, except the ending. Obviously, the ending is is a wild ride. The second viewing, I got it. I understood it. And I went, that's that's brilliant. I was in in that boat, too. I felt the same way, too. I was like, this is the first one I've been disappointed with. But after multiple viewings, I really love it now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Absolutely. always been it's always been in my top three that film has from from first viewing that I loved it. Uh, I think if you know a bit about the Manson family murders, then it kind of a bit of that backstory which isn't covered in the film that that helps with the uh, with the yeah. watch. But um, no, that's love it. That Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction for me. Mm. Oh. Wow. Okay. Um, should we go do the trailer and then we can get onto a roll call? Yeah, let's do it. Yep. Here we go. Here is the official Miramax trailer. Here we go. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brother. A quarter pounder with cheese in Paris. What do they call it? Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. You got a corpse in a car, minus a head in a garage. Take me to it. Mother... Who's Sid? Sid's dead, baby. Get it. Sid's dead. I love you, pumpkin. 
I love you, honey bunny. Everybody be cool, this is a robbery! What's Fonzie like? Cool. Correct the mundo! And that's what we're gonna be. We're gonna be cool. I just realized I played you the wrong one. I, I, I played you the trailer. So I played you the trailer that was created after. So not the very first Pop Fiction trailer. Are you, are you addressing the audience or your fellow I'm addressing you. Yeah, I'm addressing all of you. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I kind so of figured just, that was the case because it had the accolades. Well, you're it. very kind because after last time, I didn't play the trailer at all. I mean, after Scrooge, I forgot to play the trailer. Thankfully, we corrected that in speed and I played you a trailer like Eric Morecambe said, not necessarily in the right, the correct one <laughs> in the right order. Um, well, look, it's a tough, it's a, it's tough a trailer. Game, Charlie. A tra- don't, don't let anyone, don't let anyone tell you this stuff's easy. Yeah. It's just, you know, you, you, do, <laughs> you do the best you can under difficult circumstances. Yeah. You've only been doing it like how many years, three years. Yes. On my, strangely enough, on my own. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> See, well, the, the, hmm. Anyone wants to pitch in with the editing? Well, hey. speaking of which, actually, uh, you, you did mention how successful our speed podcast and show yeah. was. I wondered if now was an appropriate time to speak about our fees um, for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Do it um, for the love of yeah. it. Oh, come on. Sorry, I can't hear yeah, he's, you. He's just uh, joking. It's the love. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you, you wanted to charge the listener. For this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. you're going to lose some people here. Look, I, like I being start, charged to go to the loo. <laughs> I either start getting paid for this pod, or I have to set up an OnlyFans account. So, you know, oh, I'm hoping oh I can make appearances here. Yeah. I know. I'd like to see content, Dom. Yeah, well, what? I'll, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you mates rates, Amanda. So, yeah, yeah. That's oh, unless God. Charlie starts stumping up for the uh, for my appearances here. And all five, the I've got now nineteen a month. <laughs> Dom charges for uh, <laughs> pretty much content where he forgets <laughs> to actually record it. That's what his OnlyFans will be like. It would just basically, <laughs> you record a stellar first one and give nobody anything for the next six months until people demand their money back. A class action uh, suit against you. Yeah, you can, ha- you can help me with my trailers, Charles. Eh? How's that? <laughs> yeah, you can pay me and I'll help you. Yeah, oh, is see is how this that works? being edited out or is this keep being kept No, in? we keep keeping this in, but we are going to go to roll call because it's pretty big, as you would expect. Here we go. Let's go to <laughs> dear, dear listeners, dear viewers. Here's roll call. Roll call. Okay, so we've done kind of we've done Bruce with this before, so um, we don't need to do him again. If there is anything you want to say about Bruce with this, we have covered Bruce with this in previous podcasts. Go and listen to Die Hard, Die Hard, Die Hard Two. Please go and listen. Go and listen to those, and we we discuss them in great length. We are obviously. Um, you know, within very much in sympathy and what his condition is going through at the moment. And watching that is heartbreaking, um, to be honest, because uh, I've just restarted watching Moonlighting because I just think TV at the moment is pretty poor. Uh, so I've gone right the, right the way back to 1985 and I started watching Moonlighting again. And there is there is a talent right there in the, in the making, the birth of a talent, the birth of, you know, a, a movie star. Um, and I just look at the different things that he's done. Uh, and 
you know, so when you think, oh, okay, well, he, he hasn't proved himself in that way. And then he does Unbreakable. And then he does, you know, like a, you know, something very broody. And then he does science fiction. And then he does, you know, and then we've got The Fifth Element, Joe, which I know you and I were talking about the other day. And people forget all the wealth of the stuff that he's done. And yeah, so that's Bruce Willis. Anyone else got anything to offer before we move on? I would say other than he was very good in the movie. I guess everybody was very good in this movie. How yeah. did he get to be in the movie? Was he originally cast in it? Well, we'll, le- we'll leave that for trivia time. Oh. Okay. Yeah, we're going to split it up. We're going to split it up. Oh, it's a little hook hook for trivia it time. Is, it's, a little, it's a minor advert. It's an advert within Ooh. the uh, podcast within the podcast. Um, John Travolta, who we have covered before. But let's do let's do Let's... Who wants to who wants to go first on John Travolta? Who wants to go like a special film they like? Uh, his career trajectory, which is definitely worth a uh, definitely worth a discussion. Well, well you can't talk about uh, John Travolta, can you? Without talking about Greece and Saturday Night Fever, the films yeah. that launched him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Well, Saturday Night Fever, brilliant performance. Greece, one for the. One for the girlies, would you say, Amanda? Would that be a horrible, sweeping, sexist generalisation? Or yes, I think that would be. But uh, yeah, he, he was no phenomenal in that, though. Yeah, but no man's going to admit to. I love Greece. Film. I oh, love right. Greece. There you go. Hey, yeah, two older sisters. Of course, I love Greece. Well, that explains a lot. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Tell us about your Greece. <laughs> your, your affection for Greece, then. What? What? Because what oh, it was because it was on. It was on all the time. I'd take to see it at the cinema. Loved yeah. it at the cinema. Were you a pink lady, then, Charles? Did you have a little dance routine, Charlie, before it was? Before uh, I didn't know. I didn't no. know, but I am that person at a uh, um, at a wedding. Did you that grease when lightning? Someone, yeah, the grease lightning, all that. Yeah, definitely. I don't care. Life's too short but, to care about this sort of thing. It's it's great. I loved Grease too. I mean, when I was a kid, I saw it in the theaters, and I actually had, I had an Olivia Newton John shirt. I'm surprised nobody beat the crap out of me. Back then, you wore an Olivia Newton John's t shirt. Well, when she was really hot, you know, like at the end when she's got like the permed hair and a leather jacket. Mm-mm. I think well, there's one thing to be comfortable enough in your masculinity to admit liking Greece, and you and Charlie have both stuck your head above the trenches to do that. There's another thing comes. wearing a Olivia Newton John t shirt, you know, that's like that's pretty borderline there, Joe. That's you know, it's a big. Sh- you, you, it's a big shout announcing your 10 right at the start of the pod. Your second big shout of this pod has been your Olivia Newton John t shirt. Well, would it be better if I wore a John Travolta shirt? Well, you might as well because it's the same message as far as I I'm could concerned. Put both <laughs> <in there. laughs> um, Charles, didn't you, uh, didn't you <clears throat> fancy Olivia Newton John? Well, who didn't? I'm not being funny. Yeah. Those tight pants. Hello. Tight pants. How was she big in that lips. film? She was yeah. like in that accent, wasn't she? She was in her what? No, she was older than John Travolta. No, but she was in her twenties when she did that. No, I think she was. Was she? Or in her thirties? So. No, the late twenties, I think. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, no, it, it, I thought she was. Yeah, she was really hot. That movie. I mean, towards the end. Did that movie come out? Was it seventy nine? Greece. Seventy eight. Seventy eight. Yeah, I was four. Um, we queued. Uh, this was back in the day when when um, uh, you used to queue to go into a film, and there was only one film on at the cinema. Um, so it was at the Regal at Leamington, 
Um, and uh, it was a really, really, really hot day. I queued up with my auntie and my sister and my mum. And uh, we were queuing for what seemed an eternity to get in. And then uh, they closed the doors on us with about five people in front of us and said they're full. That's a very cool. interesting story. Didn't yeah. get to see it in the cinema. Oh. Uh, well, unfortunately, he made a sequel to Saturday Night Fever, um, Staying Alive. Yep. Uh, so now we talk about John Travolta in the 80s, which was not good. Um, Staying Alive, uh, The Expert. Oh, no, I take it back. Blowout. Blowout was very good. But uh, The Experts and Look Who's Talking, where suddenly he, he's got a series of films, a series of sequels. They're reasonably popular in the same way that probably Police Academy was reasonably popular. Not by. with me. Yeah, not with you. I don't know what you think about the Look Who's Talking films. Didn't like them either. Okay. So wasn't Bruce Willis in those as well? Uh, yeah. Yes, he, yeah. And Roseanne Barr played his sister in the second one, and then it was dogs, and then it's like, what? What? Look at yourself, man. Wasn't, You're wasn't Tony Manero. Oh well, no, I was going to get to that. But oh, yeah, okay. you can. It's fine. You can. So then, Pulp Fiction comes along, and after Pulp Fiction, we then get good and bad. We get Michael, uh, where he plays an angel. Uh, oh. Uh, the, the title of the film that I can't pronounce because I've got an affliction, Phenomenon. Anybody else wants to say it? Because I can't say Phenomenon. it. Phenomenon. Yeah, well, Phenomenon. stop showing off, everyone. Thanks. And then we get Get Shorty, Broken Arrow, Face Off. And unfortunately, we then get Swordfish, Battlefield Earth, and the Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 remake that nobody asked for. And then after that, the, the 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 most painful thing I possibly have ever seen put to put to video is Olivia Newton John and him doing a song about six years ago called Reunited. Not only is it the most cringeworthy thing, but it's maybe the worst song in history. And uh, reun- reunited and it feels so good. Uh I don't know that part of my brain's gone. Don't don't, don't ask about that because <laughs> it's shut away, it's locked away in there in a safe it, it it's one of the worst things I've ever seen and it's not good it doesn't paint them in a good light Living Newton John deserved better to be fair but anyway anyone else on John Travolta no I just like I, out of his out of his roles out of like Saturday Night Fever Breeze and this one which one do you think he'll be remembered for no oh, it's Greece, isn't it well I'd say Saturday Night nice. Fever actually Oof. I would say Saturday Night Fever too, but I think this is his best role, though. I'd say Broken Arrow. It's a blast. I'm joking. Broken Arrow. I'm joking. joking. All right. You got me. Face Off. Face Off, though. Mm. Um, Okay. Just know Face Off's going to appear on your list of films for this decade, Chal, isn't it? Well, if you think I'm that predictable, it was on the list, but it's now off the list. Because I saw you all roll your eyes in the way. But if somebody picks Forrest Gump, don't forget that I have the last film and we will be facing off if, that's the, if that happens. I can tell you that right now. I thought we were watching JFK, the, the extended edition. Oh, we're watching both. I'll pick them both. <laughs> oh, boy. His yep. entire list is based on revenge and spite. What, what, is, what does that say about you? <laughs> no, Joe, well, Joe started it with his Popeye uh, 
Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So. You know. Well, if you didn't screw me, I wouldn't have to spite you. So. Well, don't do for don't don't nominate Forrest Gump, and we'll, we'll all be everything will be cool. Coolio and the gang. But let's let's try not to kick off over the the uh, the nominations list anyway. But the thought, thing I thought was interesting about John Travolta before we move on is um, it, he was Os- he was Oscar nominated for his performance in Pulp Fiction um, as Best Actor, whereas Samuel Samuel Jackson got it for Best Supporting Actor, which I thought was a bit harsh, really, because um, well, as good as he... Travolta's performance is, I thought Samuel Jackson was pos- was probably better and maybe the stronger character. I mean, I, the only thing I could say is that. I guess he had more screen time, Travolta, in which like he had one more arc, more than Samuel Jackson did. You know, with, with uh, Mia. Uh, Mia. Yeah, that's that's probably. I mean, that probably is the explanation, isn't it? That yeah, he had that. If he if he had the stop clock out, then uh, I'm sure he would be on screen for longer. But um, yeah, I thought that I thought they both deserved best actor nominations. You know, as sometimes happens, two people from the same film go head to head like that. But. Uh, Either way, he didn't win it um, because, as we all know, who won the who won it in the '95 Academy Awards? Charlie for 1994 films. Your mm. friend of mine, Tom Hanks. Yeah, for Forrest Gump. So yeah, unlucky, that is really. bullshit. Yeah, well, thank you. I, 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 yeah, I, I, my my reply would be predictable, but yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, Joe. Um, speaking of Samuel Jackson, let's let's move on. Did he um, win? Hmm. Did for, he win for best supporting? No, so he got that. Uh, so he got nominated best supporting nominees in the same category: Chaz Palamatini for Bullets Over Broadway, Paul Schofield for Quiz Show, Gary, how do you pronounce it? Sinise, 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 yeah. But the winner was Martin Landau for Edward. What a disgraceful ah. it was! Yeah, I mean it was you know, an all right film, but um, but Samuel Jackson not to win the Oscar, I thought. Uh, Shocking. Wow. Oscars are a load of crap. I mean, that was just basically this guy's going to, he's got one foot in the grave. We might as well just give him the, the Oscar because he didn't deserve that at all. Uh, yeah, Samuel Jackson, definitely. And Marissa Tomei, she didn't deserve her Oscar either. Ah, well, we'll get, we, we may get to that. I mean, this is the lucky roulette of the 90s. Who knows? Um, Samuel L. Jackson, then. Before I go into the, sort of not pre-prepared it's just basically a list but my goodness this guy has worked his behind off ever since you know ever since he started in films talk about hard working and talk about some absolutely great choices and talk about some very poor choices but more great than poor i think so before i go into the list of films um Amanda, Samuel L. Jackson. Come on. I mean, you must know some... All you have to do is name another Quentin Tarantino movie. He's probably in it. <clears throat> there we go. Oh, any any film starring Samuel L. Jackson. Not uh, Lawrence Fishburne, which he got mistaken for on the on that news segment that time. Remember Robert Downey Jr.? He played a big character. Yeah, what are your, he was in one of your favourite Marvel films. Yeah, I remember Marvel films? Uh, big was he Iron Man, was it? He was. <laughs> He's Nick Fury. Oh, of course he is. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he showed up at the end. <laughs> yeah, in Iron Man, but then he's pretty much in the other one uh, and all the others uh 
Okay. Well, on that, <laughs> on that uh, possibly predictable uh, note, what anybody else with uh, Samuel Jackson? I'm going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. You go. I was going to say. In his early career, he did some good films with Spike Lee. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's. I, I know he did earlier stuff than that, but that's my first real memory of him. Was those really Spike Lee before Spike Lee went off the boil? So, do the right thing. Jungle Fever. He's in both of those films, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he's also the, the hold-up guy of, of uh, McDowell's. Is it the restaurant in Coming to America? Yep. Um, oh. Yeah, he's the hold-up guy that gets. Uh, um, blocked by Eddie Murphy and his broom. Uh, early times. He's actually listed in the uh, Ellen Barkin Al Pacino film, Sea of Love, which is, I always thought was good. And then I watched it again and went, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he plays, he's literally just in there, black guy. That's what he's listed at in Sea of that Love. That's the credit. That's <laughs> <laughs> the credit. And I'm like, no, oh, that's a bit harsh. That probably pissed him off. <laughs> but, Goodfellas. So, I mean, stop me at any point, but Goodfellas. He was, he was barely in Goodfellas. But he's in Goodfellas. Okay. Uh, Patriot Games, obviously the first of the appalling. <laughs> I was uh, thinking when you, said pa- when you said Patriot Games, I was thinking of the Patriot. I was like, who was he in the Patriot? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wasn't in that. Uh, Loaded Weapon 1, the Le- Lethal Weapon uh, spoof. Uh, Jurassic Park, of course. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And uh, smoked a lot in that. True Romance, Pulp Fiction. And then look at his career after Pulp Fiction. Because I think the post-Pulp Fiction career, that's the platform. Pulp Fiction is the platform of which he's launched into megastardom. After that, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Remember him in that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, you you finish. I have a... No, no, no. Time to Kill. The the absolutely incredible Long Kiss Goodnight. That is such a good film. Um, Jackie Brown, Sphere, uh, appalling film of a extremely good book by Michael Crichton, but it's it's one of my guilty pleasures because I like watching it. Um, Star Wars, Mace Window in Star Wars, uh, Deep Blue Sea, um, of which he's a nice surprise in that film. Uh, Shaft, Unbreakable, Kill Bill Two. He's in. Uh, he's the voice of Mr. Uh, Frozone in The Incredibles. Snakes are on a motherfucking plane. Uh, he's obviously he's Nick Fury. He's the narrator of Inglorious Bastards. He's in Django Unchained. He's in Robocop. He's in Kingsman. He's in The Hitman's Bodyguard. Kong Skull Island. Hateful Eight. Good Lord. And that's I'm gonna that. give... just, uh, just picking out the main ones. I'm going to give an unpopular opinion. I think he sucks. I think he sucks. All right. Um, I think he's great. I think he's great in every Quentin Tarantino movie. And if that says anything, he needs a great director to work with. But I think he sucks in everything else that you just mentioned. Other than Unbreakable. He's a one note actor. He basically does the same role in every performance he does. There's no difference between Nick Fury and the guy that's in Unbreakable. I mean, or the guy that's in Star Wars. Everybody else seems like they're otherworldly in Star Wars. He's got a ghetto accent in Star Wars. You know, he didn't oh, even try. So, so is he like Bill Murray then? Hugh Grant of uh, <laughs> the... Uh... Well, but we like, I mean, I like Bill Murray's movies, but yeah. I mean, you look at like, I don't know, it just like annoys the hell out of me. Like we, he was given the uh, 
Secret Wars miniseries on Disney Plus, and apparently that bombed. It, he, I think he just bullies themselves into roles, and they just give it to him, but he doesn't deserve them. All he does is he yells and he screams, but I love him in every single goddamn Quentin Tarantino movie. He's perfect, perfectly cast for every single one of those, but other than that, he's just a one-note actor. But what makes him change from Tarantino films, then, for you? Because he's what got a good it... director. He gets the best out of his actors. And he's okay. also a great writer. I mean, yeah, you look at... No, when you look at Tarantino's films, right? I mean, I think this was his, his greatest performance as Jules. But then you look at the, the slave that was in Django Unchained. I mean, it's completely different. And he does such an amazing job in that role, too. And then the the guy that was in uh, Jackie Brown. I mean, I love his character in that. Yeah, uh, you know, he's still a little bit one note, but he just he's better in those films. I would say. Don't think you're giving well, Deep Blue Sea the. Uh, the I've never seen that piece of crap. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tom, Look, uh, sorry. Uh, no, as I say, well, I wouldn't go quite as far as Joe. I think I do broadly agree. I think I you, you list all his films, Charles, and for me, that's. Uh, quantity over quality and i do think he's a, a character actor as opposed to a, a leading man as joe rightly says with the exception of these tarantino films so yeah i wouldn't um he's not somebody that draw me into going to see a film because i'd know exactly what i was going to get from him I'd, I'd think yeah yeah no he isn't a drawer that's the whole thing i mean he's in films but like when he does something like say shaft which he was the lead in that you know i mean that did okay but you can't think of anything well snakes on the plane i think that was popular but overall, I mean, he can't release a movie by himself now. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> Interesting. And maybe we will revisit that in uh, in trivia. Um, onward uh, to Uma Thurman. Well, I was hoping we were going to do her next because I think after what we've just said about Samuel Jackson, I think the shades of that with Uma Thurman as well. Because I think yes. if you before I prepared for this pod, you know, she's a big star, big Hollywood actress. You know, in that kind of Premier League uh, of earnings and profile. Is that she? Could, her filmography, uh, well, in my opinion, um, yeah, you know, I, I thought so. That that would be my kind of five-second thought process about Uma Thurman, big Hollywood star, been in lots of good stuff. But if you look at her track record, it's pretty weak, really. I mean, obviously, there's Hill Bill and Pulp Fiction, which stand uh, alone from the rest of them. But the rest of it's pretty average. I'm interested to see what you pick out as being her career highlights. Uh, before I do that, Amanda, Uma oh, that's, uh, that's not fair. No, 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 no. I'm just going to go. <laughs> is there any? Is there any particular Uma Thurman before outside of Kill Bill and and that that you'd like? I'm not genuinely not trying to put you on the spot like I normally am. I'm genuinely asking: Is there anything you'd like Uma Thurman in? She's been in. If you don't know, that's fine. Just say don't know. I would say most of us can't name an Uma Thurman movie. I think you could, Joe. You could. I think. Yeah, I probably blo- could. Blo- we haven't blocked it out of our mind that badly. The the uh, performance of Poison Ivy in Batman and Robin. I, I, mean, well, I did actually. I did. I, I wasn't thinking of that one. Oh right, okay. I was thinking of the one with, with Bill Murray and Robert De Niro. Mad Dog and Glory. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's first starred with um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall in Johnny Be Good. Uh, that was always one of those films I wanted to cover. But Dangerous Liaisons, she held her own. She wasn't in it that much, but 
you know, she held her own. Uh, I like a film called Beautiful Girls. Timothy Hutton, uh, Uma Thurman, uh, ensemble cast in it. Um, like that's definitely what a one I'd recommend. Truth about cats and dogs. Forget all about that. Uh, uh, my superhero ex-girlfriend, super ex-girlfriend, forgettable. Uh, Emma Peel in the Avengers, forgettable. Uh, but she's pretty good in the producers. I have to say, I'm quite a guilty, guilty pleasure. I do like the producers. I do think I, I do too. But yeah. I, I I find her to be a slightly better version of Cameron Diaz. Oh, better. So you don't like Cameron Diaz then? <laughs> no, she sucks. Right, okay, so anyone would be better than that, really? No, I mean they're very similar, I would say. But my prop, one of my nitpicks was her in a way. Uh, I just didn't think she looked attractive. She looked like she had the Cleopatra wig on, and good lord, <laughs> it's funny when they they delivered that big hamburger. There's no way in hell she finished that hamburger. It doesn't look like she eats <laughs> anything but feathers, maybe you know, dust. Yeah. Yes, indeed. She was, too, she was too skinny. You know, it was just, I don't know. Um, what do you think about that, Amanda? Or were you, are you uh, researching on your phone? Or were you? I'm, I am, yeah. She was poison ivy, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we said that, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that film is dreadful. That, that film is, there is nothing going for that film at all. She's part of the problem, too. Yes, she is. Everyone, <laughs> everyone involved should be ashamed. Right, I've got hang three. On, hang on, oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I want to stick up for Cameron Diaz after she's been dissed as being below Uma Thurman in the pecking order. Um, one good movie. Well, something about Mary is a bona fide yes, classic, yes. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was, she was very good. Yeah. She was also good in the Mask or Mask, whatever it's called, Jim Carrey film. Bad Teacher has its moments. Yeah, Bad Teacher. I don't mind as Chinese com- Angels, by the way. As a comedic actress, she's definitely better than Uma Thurman. Yes. Yeah, she is. Uh, right. Moving roll call on uh, at a pace. I've got four quick ones and then two two big hitters to finish with, and then that's it. Um, this isn't the, the one of the... This is the first of the four, not a big hitter. Tim Roth. I'm not being funny. I look at his, I look at his films and I go... Yeah, I can think of one. Well, you've got Reservoir Dogs. You, I know which one you're thinking of, Joe. Do you want to say it? No, yeah, I bet you don't. It's not an Incredible Hulk. No, I mean I was okay. thinking of that one. No, Planet of the Apes. Okay, Planet I was so excited that he was in it because I really liked Tim Roth, and uh, I thought that was going to be a good movie, but it wasn't. No, dreadful. He's in the Hateful Eight. Uh, he was in the. Tarantino wrote one of the sections for four rooms. I'm struggling for anything else. I really Isn't am. It, wasn't he in Rob Roy? Yeah, that, that was what he got his Oscar mm. nomination for. And I promise I won't do this for every every person in this film. <laughs> no, he was in uh, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover. Yeah, that, that's my favourite film of his. That's that's a decent film. If anyone's mm. not seen that joke, I don't know. It's a British film. Uh, I don't know how well it did in America, but that's that's a pretty good pretty good yeah. movie. Captain. Not well at all. <laughs> Captive? Does that, that straight to de- is that straight to director video? I don't know. Starring Steven, Steven Seagal and Tim Roth. Squidlocked. <laughs> well, uh, again, he's another actor Doodlum. that's very good in Tarantino movies. To Kill a King, Dark Water. 
Broken, Grace of Monaco, October Gale, Selma, Hardcore, Henry. <laughs> you're not know, doing him any favors. No, you're not really. <laughs> it's like John Travolta's. It's like John Travolta's thing. Read that out. It probably says light water. Well, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't know any of those. Yeah, if Tim Roth was listening. He'd be like, "Stop, please." <laughs> we, right, who's can we next? Just go, then? Please move on. Can we just, we just oh. yeah, Rob Rob Roy, nineteen ninety six, best supporting actor, Oscar nominations. What a list this is, because he's the weakest one in it for that performance. Brad Pitt in Twelve Monkeys, that's an underrated wow. film. I think he's really good in that. Yeah. Ed Harris in Apollo Thirteen. Um, James mm. Cromwell in Babe, brilliant performance. Yes, uh, yeah. And the guy that won it was Kevin Spacey for Usual Suspects, which is a. Uh, an epic movie. You don't it like is. usual suspects, no? Yeah, I love it, yeah. No, I like Kevin Spacey. No? No, I like Kevin Spacey. No. Regardless of what he did, you know, outside of his acting career. Well, which I think he was found not guilty for. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He's been exonerated. Put him back in House of Cards then, you know, because when they took him out, God, God that was dreadful. Um, uh, next one. Well, leading on to that, uh, swimming with sharks, Frank Wally. Frank Wally. Brett. Check out the big brain on Brett. That's Frank he ne- Wally. He never really made it, that guy. Well, and it, but do you know what? Oliver Stone tried. Tried to help him. So he starred his big, big hitters, Born on the Fourth of July, The Doors, and JFK. And he's in JFK for probably a maximum of about six minutes. And you don't even know he's in The Doors, really. He plays the keep. He plays the, no, the, the guitarist. I think the guitarist. Uh, no, but you he's don't. Broken well, Arrow. Well, he, he is in Broken Arrow. Yes, but his name doesn't like flow off the tongue because nobody knows who he is. No. But he does star in Career Opportunities. Yeah, uh, with Jennifer Connelly, which the only is good reason to watch that is for Jennifer Connelly. But he's no, no, Joe. Seriously, he, I think he's good in it. They, they both work together. It's a really good film. When we go back to the 80s, well, hopefully, whenever we go back to the 80s, um, rare opportunities. It's good. It's got a lot for everyone. I have problems uh, with movies set in one place, like The Breakfast Club. Right. Career opportunities. <laughs> it's different places. Anyway, Amanda Plummer. Uh, any of you pricks move? I'll execute everyone and motherfucker last one of you. I can't believe it just censored one part and left the other one in. That's fine. Yeah, and if you're gonna if you're gonna use the word motherfucker, you can't. You, you've got to commit to it. You've got to lean into it. You can't kind of lose your bottle yeah. halfway through it. Yeah, right. come on, Charlie. Just let trip any up of you, some motherfucker. Yeah. Any of you fucking pricks move, and I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Mm, I think it's still. Well, I would shout, but I mean, the da- you know, daughters just in this shot would be like, "Oh, they're having a lively podcast." You're like father. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I don't sir. think I don't think English people should say the word motherfucker. Anyway, it's got to, it's got to be said with an American accent, or it just sounds ridiculous. Go on, oh, Jack, no, no. go on, drop drop the MF bomb, motherfucker. There you go. That's how to do it. No, it, it, like it sounded uh, like a, an English prince. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? what? Oh, no, no, uh, no, but but it's something like snatch and uh, oh, what is bricked up and snatch? Come on, yeah. Uh, with, it, along I, with Joe Pesci and Goodfellas, good. yeah, the best swearers in the world. Yeah. By a long way. By a long, long way. Uh, moving on. Amanda Plummer. No, here we go. World According to Garp. Brilliant film. Jane the Fisher King. Uh, Sora Madden, Axe Murderer, uh, which is, I love. A lot of people don't. I like um, that one. 
Yeah, and Star Trek Picard. She was in the third season of Star Trek Picard. She's pretty good because the third season of Star Trek Picard was, was she extremely the, good. Was she the Borg Queen? No, she was the um, the Raider, the uh, the shapeshifter. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Ving Rhames. Oh, I was going to. Is she related to Christopher Plummer? Uh, do you know what I'm going to say? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, why not? You know, in 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 our podcast land, yes, everyone is. Uh, Bing Rames. Hey. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Um, Marcellus Wallace. I have got nothing apart from Out of Sight and the Mission Impossible films. Now, if that makes me, if that makes me very bad. I did do the research, but I'm looking down these films going, what? Hey, what? Oh, I know going, one. If it wasn't Mission Impossible, his career would have been over decades ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lilo and Stitch. He's in that? Yeah. He's he in one of the voices. Agent Bubbles. <sighs> so, so when Vin Rames dies, it's like, it's a choice between Mr. Mr. Bubbles or... Uh, Marcellus Wallace. Ooh. It's funny. I've, I've heard so many people talk about this. Like when we talk about Pulp Fiction and even like like celebrities will be on talk shows and stuff like that. They said that they would not take that role over the anal rape scene that he had to do. Ooh. I mean, not that he actually had to go through it, but <laughs> there's just like a lot of people that are like, I just would have said no. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah. but it's like, well, we'll get to it, I guess. It didn't catapult <laughs> him to 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 lofty heights. He just so sat Barry, around until like sort of nineteen. In fact, he wasn't in the first Mission Impossible film. He's in the second one. Well, I'm sure every time like he was thought of a role as like they would go, is that that guy that got raped in Pulp Fiction? <laughs> you know? Can we not use the? Oh, oh, can we just refer to it as like a a bumming or something like that? It just seems a bit more palatable <laughs> if, we, if we use that word. Yeah. So anyway, we need penetrated. to get. Right, we need to get to film. I'm sorry. I'm to, bumming, bumming makes it sound like it was consensual, and it wasn't consensual. It? No, it definitely wasn't, was it? No. Um, no. Let's, let's all think of a better word for it by the time we get to that part of the pod then. So I've thrown a bumming in there. Somebody else has got to chip in with a, an alternative, which is less We've got We've got that benchmark to, live, to to work with. That's that's good. That's fine. It's in everybody's minds. We're going to have to speed this on. You're going to have five minutes for these two. Okay. This is, this is Christopher Walken. Go. Somebody tell me, Christopher Walken. What 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 do they what they like? What's their favourite memory? What film? Um, he's, in a, he's in a music video, isn't he? He is Weapon of Choice by Fatboy Slim and Madonna's yeah. Bad Girl, but nobody would get that. That'd be a really good pointless answer. Okay. Of which there are already two. So probably wouldn't be on pointless, but still. Yeah. Dear Hunter, absolutely. Dom. Yeah, one of my favourite films. A, t- a tough watch, to say the least. But, um, yeah, brilliant in that. One Best Actor Oscar for it. I oh, know uh, Best Actor in a Supporting Role for that. But, yeah, really good. You've got to be in the right mood, but I'd encourage everyone to go out and watch The Deer Hunter. Bleak, but yeah. um, fantastic cinema. Yeah, If you're in a good mood, go see The Deer Hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> knock, all the, uh, knock all the positivity out of you. Well, it's a bit like listening to The Smiths on Radiohead, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it on a Monday morning, but, you know, there's a time <laughs> and a place for it, so... No, oh, I don't know. Um, Deer Hunter, Dead Zone. He's brilliant yeah, in the Dead, Dead Zone. Zone. Yeah. Uh, he's Max Zorin. Yeah, he's the bad guy in View to a Kill. Um, Horrible. 
thought you'd get that one, Joe. Well, I thought you'd yeah. mention that. Uh, he's in the returns. He's in the quite excellent Biloxi Blues with Matthew Broderick. That's he was good such that. a good film. Yeah. Uh, uh, Communion, Batman Returns. He talked about True Romance, Wayne's World Two. He was the bad guy. Yeah. Rob Lowe in Wayne's World Two. He was in Catch Me If You Can. I've never seen it. Um, Wedding Crashes, Hairspray, uh, the voice, uh, one of the voices in the Jungle Book, and he's in June too. Is it Man on Fire as well? He is. Sleepy he Hollow. Is. That's underrated. Okay. He was uh, he was in Hairspray, the remake, and he was married he to was. John Travolta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! He's in Eddie the Eagle. Is he? Twenty fifteen. I don't remember what he was in that. Oh, was he one of the skiers? Uh, like a legendary skier or something? I don't know. It's, uh, according to IMDb anyway, yeah. Uh, one thing that won't be on IMDb, but you need to go and type it into YouTube, is Christopher Walken reading uh, the story of the three little pigs on Jonathan Ross's TV show in the 90s. <laughs> don't, don't think don't think you've ever seen anything uh, quite so really? chilling or quite so funny. I'm yes. going to have to watch that. I've never seen that. i got to check that out. Oh, so link, can't we link to these things for our listeners or viewers? We can actually. I'll put it. I'll put it in the in the notes on this. So if you want to go and see that, you can see the tr- the bad trailer that I showed at the start. So apologise for that. But yeah, here's the first of many links that we'll put in. Yeah, uh, that, that we fat, may talk that, about that Fat Boy Slim song that he's really good in that as well. Mm. Okay. Oh, poor old Christopher Walken. He gets two on his own, and nobody else gets anything. I'm sure we can I'll... chew on some on. Yeah. Bye. Retrospective. Um. Okay, the last one. Uh, I think it's going to be quite controversial. So the last one we're going to do is Harvey Cartel. I don't think... Right, I'm going to whisper this because I might get in trouble. I don't think he's done an awful lot. He's not done as much as you all think he has. So, but I will just put that out there and then you can tell me how great Harvey Cartel is. Despite the fact, but one last thing despite the fact he recreated the character of the wolf for direct line insurance 20 years after Pulp Fiction. Oh, really? I didn't know that. He did. Don't watch them, Joe. It, it, it's it, it, it's a, it's a cash, you know, it's the, I need to pay the mortgage stuff. It's horrible. Anyway, go. Harvey Keitel. Oh, he was in Taxi Driver? He was. He did a lot of stuff with Scorsese, didn't he? Mean Streets as well. Um, he's in that. Good in that. Is in, oh, that was a TV movie. Uh, <laughs> Not a TV movies are welcome here if they're good. Virginia Hill, 1974. <laughs> Alice doesn't live here anymore, 1974. <laughs> That's the way of the world, 1975. Taxi Driver, 1976. Mother, Jugs and Speed, Which is a good film. It's a good Sounds film. Sounds like a porno movie. Mother, Jugs and Speed. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Buffalo Bill and the Indians or Sitting Bull's History Lesson. Welcome to LA. See, if you're reading the same list that we saw, if you just read them out, you don't know which was a big film. Because eventually you'll get to Saturn 3. Blue Collar, Fingers. Oh yeah, Saturn 3. Eagle's Wing. And then we get into the 80s. Death Watch, Saturn 3, Bad Timing, Essential Obsession, The Border. 
that night in Varenne's Order of Death exposed. He's done loads of stuff. <laughs> My point is proved. So so has Steven Seagal. <laughs> You've never mentioned them out loud. Absolutely loads. Oh, the temp- Last Temptation of Christ. That's, that's a notable one. This yeah. film gives oh, this film cements Thelma and Louise, Bugsy, yes, and Reservoir Dogs, and it's it, it shows a trajectory. It's the nineties that, that he becomes like That's more. In the that, oh, the piano! Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, I was in that. I was telling you guys, I, I wanted to. Well, it probably would be one of my picks is uh, Eyes Wide Shut. So he was originally cast in that movie uh, for a role, and Stanley Kubrick took so much time filming it that he dropped out. You know, yeah. So, but I'm, I'm so disappointed because I think he would have just killed that part. Mm. Uh, it was in the remake of Nikita called The Assassin over here with Bridget Fonda. Uh, I, Nikita's the best. Nikita's just amazing. Uh, it was also in From Dust Till Dawn, Copland. Yeah, and then after that, after Copland disappears it, it's not though because he's been in loads of stuff that you, you can read them out until, you know until 2009 in I'll, I'll tell you what those films are sands of time um wait for me till tomorrow the lighthouse you know i, I just invent stuff because nobody's ever seen them oh i thought they were actually films i was looking for them on the list <laughs> 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 Oh my god, Red Dragon, Beeper, Crime Spree. Beeper? Yeah, Cuban Blood, uh, National Treasure, The Bridge of San Luis Rey, Be Cool, Shadows in the Sun, One Last Dance, A Crime, The Path to 9 11, The Stone Merchant, Arthur and the Invisibles. Right, my seriously, we're, we're going to lose people. We've just gained people and now we're losing them in droves. So the bottom say- line is he doesn't have problems paying the mortgage. No, he's, uh, he's 84, that's why he's not so much anymore because he's an old no but old after person. he's had 20 years where he's been missing oh but, yeah, he's an well. old man give him a break eh you know, <laughs> I get what you're saying Charlie he's a good actor it's just that he was underused yes yes or, or he was put in a crap you know like yeah. where he's yeah. definitely not underused because he's in loads of stuff he just well, wasn't in the better movies yeah but I guess our point is like he could have been cast for better roles than the ones that he was in <laughs> Dolph Lundgren keeps making films. It doesn't mean... Dolph Lundgren. When when you look at all the films that are released and you go, oh, you know, and and they're not on the free ones. So Amazon, and then you've got the ones with adverts, and then you've got the totally free channels, and it's all (laughs) Dolph Lundgren. And and you're like, that poor guy. I mean, his career zenith. And then this is what he's reduced to now. Maybe they've got, like, is it Estelle? As the uh, the agent, uh, the yeah, booking agent yeah, from Friends that. for Joey. <laughs> oh, I thought I, I thought it'd be Estelle the singer. It would just be totally random. Dolph Lundgren and Estelle the singer in in um, Night Watch, yeah, or something, something like that. Anyway, like you say, in like uh, it's an impressive library you have, Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's full of well, not all of it. Mark for Death was great. And Nico. Right, um, doing any more? Anyway, no, that's it. On to the film. Right. right. We've allowed a bit of time for the film. We've allowed 40 minutes for the film, so that's all right. Okay. That's not bad for us. So, opening of the film. 
let's let's start at the beginning we can go all over the place with this because obviously it goes all over the place so it's absolutely fine we don't need to there is no chronic there is i mean people can move the scenes around and put them in chronological order we're not going to do that no but the start of the film well even the music introducing the film is really cool and then when it when the music changes it's almost like he's changing the radio dial and you're like oh that's a completely different sort of set of music now that we're listening to. So mm. kind of brings you in and then changes it and like, oh, okay. And I think that is a metaphor for how the film is then portrayed. Mm. So it's like a, a click and a change because like, you're yeah. like, oh, that's changed. Oh, that's changed. Yeah. Oh, I, but then it's a series of interrelating scenes that come together at the end and you're like oh okay that was really cool it is and before just before that you obviously get the diner scene so that the opening mm. the musical opening to the film's good but the diner scene is just the thing that chills me about the diner the opening scene is obviously tim roth is articulating that he's had a thought this is easy mm. why don't we rob these places because we're not going to get any resistance amanda Plummer genuinely frightens me because she goes from all like, oh, thank you for filling up the coffee, to complete psycho. And you see it every time the camera's turned upon her, she's getting she's getting more and more geared up for doing this. Mm. That's she's quite acting, chilling. though, because she says, I don't want to kill anybody. You know, so I, I think that she's just trying to overact, trying to be crazy when they finally do decide to rob the place. Yeah, maybe. I, I think it's a, I think it's a really brave, confident start to the film, and that just that mood is just kept throughout the whole over two hours of, of the duration. You know, to start off this conversation, as you say, in the diner, and then it, uh, you know, usual zippy Quentin Tarantino dialogue. There's a direct kind of read across, I think, to Reservoir Dogs as well when they talk about, you know, they don't want to kill somebody if there's somebody standing in their way, they will do so. It's almost kind of word for word um, part of the, the when they're planning the, the heist in Reservoir Dogs, and Harvey Keitel has that exchange there but uh, you know i've seen pulp fiction a ton of times over 10 times easily but one of the things i picked up on the watching of uh, this pod today was that i think a lot of the film is about male and female relationships as well apart from the kind of central um samuel jackson and john travolta then the rest of the dynamics are men and women and, and obviously we see it straight away here uh in the diner but there's also um uh, wallace um and, and John Travolta as well as uh, Bruce Willis and his French girlfriend um, and the, the, even the drug dealer and, and the, the woman that lives in as well. And and I, and I think uh, one of the things I picked up on this time is how turned on she's getting by the thought of the robbery. You know, it's, um, it's not just the thought of the money that's attracting her to this opportunity. It's kind of this sexual tension there as well, I thought, which was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And And to move from that into there and then you get to John Travolta you get to um Jules and Vincent as the, the hit I, I I I think that shows one of the boldest bits in the film because it's it, it's so easy to make we're gonna go in we're gonna go in hard standing by the door they stand by the door while uh, you know some incredible writing they're just two guys talking about stuff they're talking about things that big matters yeah well with cheese we get that in the car but then he gets right okay talking about the foot massage and tony rocky rocky tony rocky horror going into a greenhouse and then they disagree they're not just agreeing they're not two guys going yeah 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 he shouldn't have done that and all this sort of thing 
Samuel Jackson's like, what? That's not even the same. It's not even the same fucking country. You know, it's not even the same ballpark. And they wait at the door and he goes, we're too early. We just need to go somewhere else for a bit. That's, that's a great film. That's, that's, you know, you're not expecting it. And that's why it makes you, yeah. Because it it simultaneously takes its time. So you get the drive, the unpacking of the car to get the guns, the walking up there, talking, as you say, pause because they're, they're too early. So sometimes it takes its time, but there's not a wasted moment. It's really taut mm. and it's so well um, scripted and acted and delivered that, um, that you get the best of both worlds. You get this kind of real insight into the characters and um, no exposition. It's all just kind of the, their in, their relationships and interaction with each other. And then bang, and it just moves on at a, a brilliant pace as well. So that's why it's such a great film. I think that's one of the key reasons. That's kind of, for me, epitomising the scene that you've just been describing. Yeah. I think yeah, I think what it shows too is it's just how brilliant Quentin Tarantino is because dialogue it just shows that dialogue is just so important to a movie and story so important to a movie where like I can watch like these Marvel movies and the DC movies that we cover on my other podcast Nerd Alert and they'll be talking about the world is about to end in five minutes and I'm bored as hell but I can be fascinated by hearing about the whole thing about a foot massage you know the guy giving some guy's wife a foot massage and why was she thrown out of a what was it fifth story building yeah it, uh, what are your he, thoughts on foot massages then do you think that um you used to like? come up you what oh no he had it coming well if it what happened is, what is yeah. the consensus then so foot massages is it just a foot massage or is it more let me ask you well let me ask you if, if you learnt that I gave another woman a foot massage how would you feel depends what context it was depends on what she looked like <laughs> depends if <laughs> it was if it was your mum yeah for no worries <laughs> oh, unless, unless it was an immediate family relation, let's kind of exclude that because I don't think we're going to go down that dark alley. Do we? I was getting but, excited uh, until that. Uh, but, but, but I suppose <laughs> the point they're making is that regardless of context, there's like a, an erotic undertone to it. And uh, I suppose I agree with John Travolta's assertion that that's what it is because as a man, you wouldn't give another man a foot massage, which I certainly wouldn't. So yeah, I think I think John Travolta nails it, and I think uh, Samuel Jackson acknowledges that. Okay, yeah. Right, Joe, you got a little cheeky grin there. What's your opinion on foot massages? No, it's true. I mean, again, like I said, he had it coming. I I think that he probably did throw him out of the window for that. And yeah, I, I mean, we'll just leave it at that. I, I think you know, again, but again, it's a fascinating conversation. It's just that he got a great dialogue going and he got the greatest acting from his actors too. That's why he's so important to this movie. He's probably the most important piece of this movie. And you, you, I'm not going to say you rarely see that, but even like with all these actors in it, I still look at it as a Quentin Tarantino movie. I don't look at it as a John Travolta movie. Uh, I, mm. I agree. I think mm. Woody Allen would be the only other director that I can think of that's got maybe Wes Anderson, perhaps, such a distinctive tone and style and has such a major impact on the end results. And that, I know we didn't do it, but that's why I prepared a Quentin Tarantino bit for Roll Call as well, because I think he is the most single important in factor and ingredient in, in the film. But yes, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's so well scripted and delivered. And that, and that scene... 
is that because you're you're left wondering as as the you know viewer, what happened to Tony Rockaro? What is what is the outcome? They talk about it in the diner, and you think, here we go, we're going to find out what what actually happened. And he's like, oh, you boys talking around the you know talking around the cooler, um, and she doesn't tell. She doesn't. She might know, but she doesn't tell you. She says the only two people that know are Marcellus Wallace, and Tony Rocky Horror. And you're like, you know, you must know, and that's that's great as well. Ugh. Anyway, right. Um, on to one of my favourite. Well, just before we go on to one of my favourite shots in the film, um, the um, Path of the Righteous Man. It does get used a lot in the film. I don't think it there's a danger it could get overused i think it's used just about right what are people's thoughts well, I, think, yeah. I think the scene from samuel jackson is, is is brilliant because he goes from conversational in the corridor to being a reasonably nice guy inquiring about the breakfast which brand of burger is it and then there are sudden pitches in uh, aggression um and violence and and the way that he you know does that on the screen you i think you're forced to look at it from the perspective of the people who he's kind of essentially holding hostage in that room and then the crescendo that he builds up to when he delivers the ezekiel speech and then just uh unloads on the guy i, I think it's fantastic it's dramatic it's uh very very creative and original and um and i think it works brilliantly and and if it has become uh overused it's only because its impact was so significant first time round that it really lodges in the memory i think yeah yeah absolutely um, i think it shows you know that like when he first starts out you see two nice guys you know basically talking about having a conversation about mcdonald's and going to amsterdam and then talking about women's feet and it just seemed like regular guys but when they go in there and they say let's get into character they can you realize that they are not good guys and you know that there's so much tension with him it's like you know can you know what kind of burger is that a big kahuna burger you know mm. and and tarantino does that so well because he does that in inglorious bastards too i remember seeing inglorious bastards in the theater uh in the beginning scene when christoph waltz has uh you know oh, a yes. glass of milk with a farmer there's so much tension in there so you know because Chris, christoph waltz is acting very charming and delightful and I was just on pins and needles because you just know it's going to go to shit really soon. Mm -hmm. And you feel the same way in Pulp Fiction, too. You know those guys are going to get wasted. It's just a matter of time. And it's just so brilliant the, the way he does it. I love him. Yeah. And obviously, he's brought in to shine up some scripts. We did talk about Crimson Tide uh, the other day. Crimson Tide is a better film for having Tarantino rework some of the script. And as we put, as we said last week... For those that obviously uh, have only just joined us, yeah, it's, he he basically went in. You can tell the bits that he wrote, definitely. Um, my favourite shot in the film is Al Green, Let's Stay Together, Bing Rames talking, and the camera slowly, ever so slowly, moving in on Bruce Willis's face. I just think that is a fantastic shot. I don't know why. I can't explain why. I just look at Bruce. I just look at Bruce Willis's lack of disappointment. Probably he's schemed all of this. He knows what he's going to do. He knows it's not going to happen. He knows he's going to kill the guy, or he's going to knock him out. He's going to knows he's going to steal the money. That I think is a great shot. I don't know if I'm alone on that one. 
Oh, no, I, I think it's fantastic. And like you said, with the music, how it's placed, this was one of my trivia that I was going to mention. There's no score in this movie. It's just all the songs that he picked, Quentin mm. Tarantino, and he picks the perfect song for every scene. And, you know, it's it's just fantastic. And you you remember that. Like, you 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 can't watch that scene without Al Green's music in the background. Yeah. You probably yeah. could. This probably exists somewhere, but it, it just wouldn't be the same. Because, you know, it's it's a nice, gentle song, but they're talking about really, you know, dark things that they're going to do. I will say the one thing that I never got is why Bruce Willis did betray him, you know? It, to me, it just didn't make any sense. Well, it, 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 is, a, it is explained as somebody just like a, a flutter every so often. What Bruce Willis does to him is that he lets it be known that the fix is in on the fight and that this is going to happen. And then he finds a bookie or his collaborator in the um, double cross that goes and lay, lays those bets with other bookies. So basically he makes a fortune, um, you know, far more than he does from agreeing to it in the first place by um, by screwing him over like that. So he lays the bets at, uh, at different bookies, which is why he does it. Mm. No, I understand that, but it's like, why would you want to screw a guy like that over? You know, knowing that he's going to eventually go after you. He's well, going to kill you eventually. I th you know, I think when he's with the um, his girlfriend later on, is is he, you know, he wants to do a run and he wants to live a life with her, doesn't he? He seems, for reasons that aren't entirely clear, to be very much in love with her. And uh, you have to go away and have this life uh, that I think he feels he's owed and deserved. So I think it's a romantic reason. And, you think he's in love with her? Yeah, that's the point I was trying to make at the start of the film. Was I think a lot of this film is about male and female relationships and the dynamic in those relationships, and you know the motivating factors. Why do people do what they do? Yeah, I do. I mean, um, you know, she leaves his watch obviously uh, at the flat that he has to return to, and he's you know pissed off about that in the car, and he's frustrated, but he's very tender and loving to her. He's frustrated. Him. He's chucking stuff around the. He's basically giving her a right going. You know, not well, right, going he, over. He, he loses his temper, but I think he is on the whole very loving. So she's almost childlike, isn't she? But you know, we're going to skip away ahead. Yeah. When mm. he when he returns after going through that ordeal at um, in the basement and things, and she sort of bursts into tears because he's been a bit abrupt with her, and he has almost coaxed her onto the motorcycle and things. I, I think we're going to get onto this, aren't we? But uh, she's the one character I probably don't like that much in the in the film, or could do without. Um, yes, that's, it, but, that's, uh, yeah. But that's that would his, that would be. I agree with you on that one. I think she's but, the but I, Yeah. And I was going to say, I, I agree with Dom. I think he does love her, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, but this scene that you've just been describing here with the sitting in the bar, uh, there's a little, just a tiny scene after that. That's one of my favorites there, where Bruce Willis goes up to the bar to buy some cigarettes and um, just coincidentally, uh, Vincent, uh, you know, John Travolta walks up and there's that tension, there's that face off between them and they both kind of stare at each other down um the gangster and the boxer mm. and that, that's just really well done it, it doesn't kick off and the tension uh dissipates but yeah that that was lovely as well and then of course you know foreshadowing the fact that uh, they'll have that uh yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. down the line but you heard me just fine punchy <laughs> it's a great line love that but, and uh, i think also what it shows too is that we, what's great about these movies is that you don't see john travolta and bruce willis you know, you see Vincent and you see Butch, you know, you buy them as those characters. You forget that they are John Travolta and Bruce Willis. Yeah, you do. You forget it's John McClane. You forget it's David Addison. You just, it's because the writing's so good. It just takes you out of it. You're right. It's just, 
it's the the characters that that are in front of you. Um, the Mia Wallace John Travolta bit. They're moving moving it on slightly. Well, um, well, before, before just really briefly then, but um, do you miss? We skip the scene where he's, where John Travolta's buying his heroin from Eric Stoltz, and and uh, yeah. you know he's going through his different grades. I th- I'm not one of these people. I, I love the film. There are people who don't like it because of its violence and all the messages it has in it. But I, I do think if you rewatch it, I do think there is an element of it glamorizing drug use and i know it makes me sound like an old woman clutching up my pearls or whatever but uh very white yeah, house there's almost a he almost fetishizes drug use um the discussion about the various grades of it the close-up of it being prepared in the spoon the kind of slight orgasmic hit that he gets off this um off this drug uh, so i thought that was controversial something that i picked up on that that for me is more difficult these days than the violence that's in the film uh, and the other one is the the amount of white people, white men using the N word. I think if they this film would not be made today, and that certainly would no, not happen. No. Um, no. And, and that you know, it's nineteen ninety four. It's twenty twenty four now. So a long long time has passed. But that's um, something that's not entirely wonderful. I don't think uh, about the film either. You know, it's very and it's not just this scene. I think it's the first time it happens. But various white characters use that particular word, and it, I, I find it a bit jarring. Mm-hmm. But that's not I know. Be, Remember the woke brigade? Just no. to point that out. Spike Lee has a huge problem with Quentin Tarantino because of the overuse of that word in his movies. But too bad, you know. I mean, I think it works perfectly in it. I mean, that's how people talk back then, hmm. and yeah. you know, things and people do talk like that now. I mean, people like that. We just, you know, but. I would say acceptable society does not find that word acceptable now, or it never really. You know, well, anyway, I'm not going to get into it. But my, I, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. He does say it a lot, uh, and like I said, Spike Lee couldn't stand Quentin Tarantino, but I, I, I just love it. I think it's perfect. So, mm. and I think the, uh, I think the diner scene. I mean, they're going to move move it on a bit. You know, when he first goes there, and we've got Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Swingfield. Again, perfect. Really, really perfect. <clears throat> it's the implication when they're out and they're at the diner, which again is done perfectly. You know, Steve Buscemi is the um is the cameo as the waiter, presumably to get him back for I don't tip. Um, you know, who knows? It's the insinuation that she is flirting with him. Because well, she seems I- to be that, that I mean, he obviously oh, yeah. gets impression. No, 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 but stronger than flirting, I think. Uh, yeah, but is he? She? He? He knows what happens to people that go too far, and he's having to control himself. You know, I know. Fast forwarding slightly, he looks in the mirror, and then says, "You're just going to have one drink, then you're going to leave, and then you're going to go home. You're going to jerk off, and then you know everything's going to be fine." I think if she doesn't overdose, they sleep together that night. That'd be my. You reckon? Um, yeah, that, that's that's what I think is implied and suggested. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's definitely there's a real chemistry and attraction between them. I mean, you've obviously skipped over the dance scene, but that's probably the most iconic, best remembered yeah, to just... the layperson of any of it. You know, that famous twist scene with the the V's across the eye. Yeah, I think there's definitely mm. a it's, it's an unusual relationship, but there's definitely a simmering sexual tension. I would say, and it, even with the threat of violence if it's ever uncovered, I, I do think he'd want to contribute. But that's you know, it's, it's ambiguous. So like a lot of things in this film, it's not laid out in the mm. trail of breadcrumbs. It's open to your own imagination and interpretation. So, uh, Amanda, what did you think What uh, about their relationship and that, this part of the film? 
Um, yeah, it is quite um, sort of sexually charged, I would say. <clears throat> also, I think she's playing with him. Right. Okay. Um, and he's he's obviously not realised because he's never met her before. He's not realised what sort of woman she is. Um, she's quite playful, I think. And uh, had they not have had, had she not have snorted that really strong coke, I think things would have happened between them. Well, Dom just said, yeah, yeah. Dom, Dom yeah. said that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, I agree. Well, I think um, I don't think yeah, he'd I, have been so stupid to personally, but I don't know if they would have slept together because he was saying just you know wouldn't just, drink and go. Yeah, and just go. He's talking in the bathroom. And then as he mm. left the bathroom, he wasn't even going to have a drink when he came out. And he says, well, it was nice, you know, mm. meeting you and all that. But I do think, you know, I noticed this. I think maybe Marcellus was testing the both of them. Because why would you choose a good-looking guy to take your wife out? Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That's a good one. That's probably... Uh, a good a good thread to pull on at some point but yeah plus um, um a friend of the pod frankie highlighted that it's a bit of a plot hole because the whole house is riddled with cctv isn't it as well so presumably mm. if they had consummated it he could have just watched all this back anyway um but it's interesting you think he's a good looking fella you know, john travolta certainly was when he was younger but yeah well, amanda do you think john travolta's like a handsome man in this film no, I can't get past the whole wig thing. Well, it's certainly. I think she would have. I think she would have definitely jumped into bed with him. Well, you know, I'm just saying. I I don't know. I I I, I could. Well, I'm not going to. And he find himself thrown out the window. <laughs> I mean, he knows he knows what happens. I think yeah. John Travolta. I, I'm saying this like is heterosexual. I think he's a good looking guy, regardless of. You know what hair he has on or how much weight he's gained and there's always going to be some kind of sexual tension you know between him and okay. some other character um the dance scene uh amanda because you were uh, gave dirty dancing 10 out of 10 do you want to uh, tell us your thoughts on the dance scene what do you think it was okay it was oh, all right okay wait a minute let me drink some water yeah it was okay think... it was what it was okay I think there's a there's actually a better um, reincarnation of that, and that was on Strictly Come Dancing a few years back with Jake. <laughs> um, it was the British version of Strictly. Um, uh, I can't remember what year it was. We'll we'll find that and put it in the podcast and put a link to it. Oh my god, that was so spicy. Him and Alia. Oh my god, just you yeah. just say you just reduced one of the. <laughs> one of the greatest dance scenes in you know yeah but it was it was renowned for having that kind of tension anyway wasn't it but to, just to watch those two do that and then they just kicked off into the jive afterwards like geez that was just like a perfect 10 performance sorry i've gone off on a tangent it is related obviously um so yeah just uh it, uh, it it was okay. You didn't get to see anyone else because it, it, the the movie then shot to them coming home with the trophy. So obviously they were the the best on the yeah. night anyway. Yeah. 
Um, so, so yeah, it was good. Then she ODs, and did we get to there? Get to the house. Um, I think you've got to cut me some slack on this one. Eric Stoltz is good as yeah. Lance. It is, yeah. yeah. I, I think I the comedic to... the comedic thing that he provides in that is, you know. If, if I had to pick a favourite scene from a, a film that's littered with brilliant scenes, I think this might be it. It's that panicked drive to there, the f- amusing but frantic phone call about you know, he's on his way, then you can hear his tyre screechy crashes kind of into the house and um, the commotion and the panic and the inability to do simple things like find a pen when there's somebody about to to die. And then the, <laughs> the, the tension, which is really, yeah, John Travolta's brilliant, acts brilliantly, the sweat dripping off him as he's got to do it exposing her chest in that way sticking the needle in and then the relief you know when she just sits up abruptly uh it's just that's pretty scary though isn't it oh yeah could you imagine how terrifying it is when you're watching that for the first time you're like oh my god oh yeah and to the audience as well yeah no again because it's such a classic storyteller he just he just brings you into the film into this kind of what would be unimaginable but he makes it real um and of course you know i'm not saying it's scientific i don't know how long you could actually survive for before you had the adrenaline shot but yeah it's just done in, a, in a, an amazing way and um yeah I, I think it's probably is my favorite scene in the in the film if i had to pick one yeah okay um well then we get over to um to butch so we get we go over to butch's story i think that's the next one because after this interlude we get the gold watch and then it's it's bruce waking up in the um the pre-fight room um and then obviously we hear where he goes to get the taxi uh and we get all of that what do we think about the which situation we've probably got about 10 minutes left and we've got to talk about the bonnie situation to look at the butch the butch scene and then the bonnie situation but yes we'll get to both well it's scary i mean i'm just saying you're going to a store you never know what's in the basement <laughs> yes uh, Are there a lot of stores like that in the US than uh, Joe? <laughs> yeah, that was a pawn basically. shop, basically. <laughs> uh, especially, I mean, and those guys are Southerners too. So, yeah, it's just kind of weird when you think, you know, you think of deliverance and all that. Um, I always I wonder how the gimp survived all of this. I mean, did he just basically? Oh, the gimp in a box. The gimp. The gimp was taken. Uh, the no, I'm talking about, it. no, I'm I'm talking about like, was he in a box the whole time? I mean, is that how his life revolved around that? I would imagine so. Yeah, that sucks. Pretty much. I thought this um scene. I, I thought if they'd edited out the actual shot of him, uh, if we use the, the R word, being being raped, I thought I thought the film wouldn't have suffered if if that had just been implied rather than actually shown. I I did find it a little. Mm. You know, there's the line. It was just a little bit beyond the line, I thought, to actually see that. Uh, just me <laughs> leading the conservative Uh-oh. parents lobby or something here. I don't know. You, but. So you've got, you've got. I mean, look, look at the look at it from the viewer's point of view. They've watched Reservoir Dogs. They've watched an ear, ear. They haven't watched an ear cut off. They've seen the camera pan and the ear being cut off and then come back. So they've not actually seen it. There's no, Reservoir Dogs has visceral moments in that, but that's not one of them because you, you just see the after effects of it, and that's bad enough. So your imagination takes over. 
Here, I think the same thing happens with the two of them are sat in the chair. The imagination is both of them are going to, something's going to happen to them. You know, we don't know yet. Obviously, then it's the gimp. You know, they've got ball gags in their mouth. You can probably make a sort of very educated guess of what's going to happen. But you get this sort of, again, this tension being built. The gimp comes out, then this is going to happen. The comic, the bit that needed to happen was Bruce Willis going up and the comedic bit of him looking sort of like Wiley Coyote, looking for the next, the next, you know, the the next best thing for the that he can choose. Gets a samurai sword out, obviously Tarantino's seven samurai obsession that he's got. And you're like thinking, great, now what's going to happen? That's the comedic bit, the chainsaw and everything else. Then he goes back down. Then you get the in-your-face scene. And, yeah, I just think it's... I mean, all I can do is go back to remember the first time that I saw it and think, whoa, like, you haven't seen anything like this before. What's this doing in a mainstream film? But then you're taking it all in and going... It's part of the story. It's just moving it along. Uh, I just, thought, I personally thought it went one step too far, but yeah, it, yeah okay. all, all, all the build up to it, as you say, is done brilliantly. And then, uh, yeah. well, I'll call me an old fuddy duddy. Amanda, oh, fuddy duddy. Yeah, what did you think? Did you? I mean, it's a very challenging scene, isn't it? Very difficult. I didn't find it that difficult. Okay. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, they didn't show much. I didn't. He was you just know. over over the bench, wasn't he? And you, you know, and the door was closed for most of it. Yeah, it was just sounds. Imagination, so can, imagination's filling the gaps. Yeah. Yeah, which is far worse but, than probably you can put on when he opened to kind of you know, kind of do the business and. I mean, yeah. Kill the guy that. Uh, but if I was Marcellus, you didn't I, really see I, a lot, to be honest. Yeah, if I was Marcellus, I think I still would have killed Butch, would even you? though he saved me. Yeah, I mean, no, he hit, no, me, no, he, he hit me with a car. You know, that's it's. I'm never going to get over that. Nah. He had to hit him with the car, though. I know, no but he's probably going to. You know, he probably got severely injured from that. Yeah, and then he, he beat the shit out life. of him. I still would have killed him. I mean, the character of Marcellus. Being who he is, I could just see him killing him, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, we we get the great line, obviously, which is, uh, you know, you know how a film's landed pop culture wise when it's still being used. I'm going to get medieval on your ass, and it's it just as soon as he say that, it instantly transported to that to that scene. So again, Mister Mister Pop Culture, the king of pop culture, potentially. Um, but is that what we got out of medieval times? <laughs> <laughs> no, you think of the cable guy. Oh, wait a minute. Now there's a choice. Anyway, right. Just got me thinking. Um, lastly, the Bonnie situation. So now we've got... Uh, I know this is going to probably split the group. So obviously we've got Marvin's head is blown off accidentally by John Travolta. They need to find somewhere in Inglewood. And they go to Jimmy. And Jimmy is played by Quentin Tarantino. Joe, I know this is one. This is where it's going to be one of your pet hates because you're not a yeah, fan a, of Tarantino, the actor. Yeah, that's my weakest point. I just feel like 
he likes to inject himself in his movies, but he's not a very good actor. He's a great writer, great director, but you know, I think that that scene could have done better with somebody else in that part. Okay, all right. Um, I think he's great. I think it's just good to you know, it's good to see him. He was good as um, oh, what, which what character was he in Reservoir Dogs, Mister? Well, whichever character he was, his only contribution to that film is probably the Madonna like a virgin. Yeah. Um, which is dick. again right. Dick 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 How many dicks is that? A lot. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I I think he's good in this. I think Harvey Keitel plays a Yeah, you call the wolf. If you've got a problem, you call the wolf. But can I just ask everyone here? What did the wolf actually do, apart from get rid of the body? He got them all working like clockwork, didn't he? He, he solved what? the whole problem. Injected they could have his... done that. They could have well, done he, that. They he gone, was very cool. Clean he, the had, car. he had connections. You know, he knew exactly what to do because he's done this many times before. It's kind of like the guys in John Wick, you know? But they needed to work faster. Hmm. This, but I... Um, this is the funniest scene I think in the in the film for me personally at least is when they're cleaning the inside of the car and they're still bickering with each other and uh, Samuel Jackson <laughs> says this is some fucked up repugnant shit as he's picking brains and skull out the back of the car and then and then they're, they're, he says in fact what the fuck am I doing on brain, on brain detail <laughs> yeah he's brain switching. yeah just uh, you know these um, <laughs> imagination that kind of goes into writing those those lines and that the, you know it's just hilarious and samuel jackson just absolutely nails it i think and and all throughout this bit john travolta's character is being all uppity isn't he about uh being spoken to and having orders barked at him and it's really it's really yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> great scene that's great yeah, it is fantastic two things that so, made it sorry i was gonna say two I, things i was that... gonna oh no okay. you go sorry no no, no go on joe uh, and I was just going to say really quick, where I said before how we believe that every actor is the character that they're playing and that they're not the actor. I don't find that with Quentin Tarantino. Okay. I, every time I see Quentin Tarantino, I think it's Quentin Tarantino. That's Ooh, all I got to okay. say. Um, I would say that I I love uh, another reason to love this film is it's given me two things that I say and have said ever since I've watched it. Um, so I've gone... Right, see you later, you crazy kids. I say that all the time. I say it at work. I don't say it on customer calls because that's a bit weird. But if I'm with the group, I'm like, right, okay, see you later, you crazy kids. And then when you think, I get that from Harvey Keitel. It's stay out of trouble, crazy kids. And how long will you be? Two shakes of a lamb's tail. I've said that like ever since then because it's just, I think it's great. I don't think that was born from the movie though, was it? That's no. a, born from me. Common... It's born from me using it. Oh, it's a common saying. Yeah, yeah but I'd never heard of two shakes of a lamb's tail before then. Oh, really? Oh, okay. No. So, yeah, thank you, film. Right, and you have more. To... You have more we... lambs over than than we do. We do a lot more. Anyway, take it home on the final scene. So we're back in the diner. We've got John Travolta killed by Bruce Willis. I know we could have gone into that. We will go into that probably a lot more of these things that we haven't discussed here. On trivia on the separate trivia section that we're going to have but i'll tell you more about that later um let's look into the final scene of samuel jackson and john travolta who's in the toilet being in the same diner that's been held up 
that was at the start of the film. What do we think about the end bit? I just want to say, you know, what I appreciate the most about this film, or one of the things, is that everything was shot out of sequence, and he had a, a rhyme and reason for everything. It's because we got to see John Travolta alive at the end, you know, because it would have been shot in sequence. That would have been one of the last scenes where he would have been killed. And I think it's brilliant because I'm sure throughout movie history, they have shot movies like that. But I'll always remember Pulp Fiction. That'll stick in my mind as how well done it was. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, we do have the sort of redemption bit. Do we call it a redemption with Tim Roth in the end, Dom? Uh, no, I think, I think if, if anyone that has that redemption, it's Jules, isn't it? Um, I think, you know, Tim Roth's character and his female psychic are just way out of their depth, aren't they? And, uh, and they're exposed for the kind of um, <clears throat> juniors that they are in this in this dynamics. So I think they have a, a narrow, lucky escape was the way I read it. But I, um, my favourite part about this end scene is the use of the word Nimrod as an insult. That's to me, is a very American insult. So, Joe, can we launch a little campaign to get that circulating more widely in society? So, fucking Nimrod is that is that an insult that you you would have ever used or had levelled? No, no. Oh, no. I've heard it, but you know, it's I'm mostly in movies. Okay, I might Sorry. try and introduce it into West Yorkshire. Possibly, <laughs> I go down it, well. In a row, yeah, well, you know, Wazak, that, that's, um, that's had its day, perhaps, yeah, Nimrod. But, yeah, Jules, you give that fucking Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. That's uh, brilliant, yeah. The, um, <laughs> yeah, the, I just, re- I just remembered, I bought a Speed Racer t-shirt, Lance's Speed Racer t-shirt. I wanted that t-shirt because I lost a, load, a lot of weight in 1995 and bought, and had to get it imported, a uh, Speed Racer t-shirt. Um, oh, God, is this continuing your theme of dressing like movie stars? No, 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 no. Yes, because I always wanted... Because oh. whenever I went out in a Speed Racer t-shirt, I went, so hello, sad. you do realise this is Lance the Heroin Dealer from Pulp Fiction? You do realise what this is? Yeah, I did that all the time. Were you a big but Speed Racer But you weren't Racer a heroin fan? dealer, darling. No, and Why? nobody ever got the reference because I didn't wear a dressing gown with it when I was out, out so... <laughs> People just thought he's wearing a Speed Racer t-shirt. Uh, Dom, I, I would like uh, Space Cadet to come back in in the... Uh, have you ever used Space Cadet? Joe? Have I? As oh, an Joe. insult. Yeah. As an insult. No? No. Are you asking me or Dom? Yeah, you. Oh, me? Space Sorry. Cadet. Oh, yeah, no, I've heard that. Yeah. Have you used it? Uh, Probably not, but it, I'd say it's more popular than Nimrod. <laughs> I've called my I've called my kids when they were younger space cadet if they were daydreaming. So, but it'd be a bit of an odd insult to throw at a grown man, wouldn't it? I think you might, unless you're trying to just confuse them, confuse your way out of a fight, perhaps. A grown man that wears a Livy John T-shirt. Anyway, and we come full circle. <laughs> I um, wasn't a grown man back then. I was a kid. I was in love. <laughs> anyway, I would say. We're gonna, we're gonna, we we still got to the next time's film to come, but we're gonna halt it here because what we don't want to make this into is a two and a half hour podcast. What we want to do is split it up. We're gonna have a separate trivia um, uh, video, um, and we're gonna try some new things out because we think we're on a bit of momentum here, and this is really good. So again, thank you for for joining us on this. And you know, if you've enjoyed this, leave a like, subscribe. 
and leave a comment leave any comment would be great It'd be fantastic don't not too harsh if you don't like it but anyway it's fine well, um, we'll just delete it already. You... <laughs> no, yeah. no, we're, we're not. for censorship. Yeah, yeah, I will. But anyway, it is Amanda's turn next. So uh, I think I know what it is. Uh, I know the other two don't. Um, but can I hit, can I, can I hit the brakes? Are we doing it? scores for the movie? Yeah, yeah guys, we didn't do scores. It's the train oh, wreck of an ending here. I thought we did the. we did the. God, three years. You still don't know the format. That's why oh, and I, no, I and nobody else. Oh right, okay. You all you all chimed in to pick me up before I finished that. that well, last I was bit, I yeah. was going to send a message to the WhatsApp group, but nobody ever looks at their phone. Well, Joe's already said ten. Things. I've already said ten. So okay, over to you two then. Well, what an anti-climax! <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I I give it a ten as well then. If we just declaring our scores. Oh, go on then. Chuck in a ten from me. Woohoo! Right. Well, film with. We've all scored 10 for. Yeah, right. oh, that's awesome. To be honest, was it ever going to be anything else? So, yeah, a straight 40. But over to Amanda, who's going to tell us uh, the film that we're going to cover next. I feel like it's all gone a bit flat now. Yeah, you're not going to touch and tap your watch while she does this, uh, Charlie, though. No? Well, I can edit it all out and we can start all over again uh, and make it. Oh, no, Fine. forget it. Right, look, I make right. mistakes. Sorry. Don't get all arsey. No, I'm just saying I made a mistake. You're the ones right. all pitching in with it. I can't, I just, I it's forgot about the schools. It's fine. Oh my God. It's fine. It's fine. Stop getting all... Come back, come back for trivia time, everybody. It's good. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Frosty. <laughs> Frosty time. Uh, right, okay. So, lovely ladies and gentlemen, um, the next movie we are going to be doing is the old classic... Crossing of the Legs movie, Basic Instinct. That's All not right. the film I thought it was going to be. But wow, okay, great, good Is choice. Is it not the film we thought it was going to be? I thought it was the British one. Oh the... yeah, it was, wasn't it? Oh no, right, let's okay. see Basic Instinct. Sorry. Okay, All right. you're going to give us like a couple of thoughts on this film, then Amanda, why, why you chose this one? Yeah, definitely. It's classic, isn't it? It's very sexy. Um, there's always that hint of muff. Was there or wasn't there? Hint of Was muff. it real? Was it not real? <laughs> Was it her? Was it not her? I don't know. I've never seen it, to be perfectly honest. I, I Like, you know, I could never spot it even, like, on slow-mo. No. I only watched, I only tried to spot it on VHS, and that was hard. I mean, it was hard to see. 4K versions out, by the way, just to, just to remind you all. <laughs> that should be the subtitle for the film, shouldn't it? Basic Instinct, colon, a hint of muff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Touch of evil, a hint of muff. Oh, my God. And an ice pick. There you go. So, uh, yeah. Good choice. Nice. Great choice. <laughs> I can't, can't wait to do it. Can't wait to cover that. Um, especially he's got Michael Douglas in. He's obviously a big Michael Douglas fan. I've done him have done him five times yet, or not? I don't think we have, have we? We haven't. No. Oh, because she was in things like Alan Quatermain and the Lost City of Gold, and and then the sequel, which was oh, both of them were dreadful. Um, so we never covered them. I guess Basic Instinct elevated her up to, but Total Recall was a breakout film. Mm. I would say, and then she did like 
she did a bit of a John Travolta. She made like doff films like Sliver and um, The Specialist and things like that. Well, we've talked about Sliver, haven't we? Because we were doing Alec Baldwin, weren't we? So. Um... Well, it was Daniel Baldwin in. Oh, oh was it? Okay. Yeah. Well, when we were doing Sliver, uh, no, we were doing one of his movies or one of the Baldwin movies. Anyway. Um, that was when I rented the uh, the VHS from the local um, village stores and the, the Indian guy was getting all pervy because I was renting it out and I was probably about 18 at the time. <laughs> ah, these are the sorts of stories, girl. <laughs> sort of oh. stories I can't wait to explore more fully in a couple of weeks' time. Then, oh, maybe. it's going to be, yeah, hold on to your hats. It's going to be... Uh... We, we made the pod a bit more X-rated again. We, we've been through a lean period without your mander, so <laughs> yeah, let's get it spicy. <laughs> Spicy. Yeah, okay. I like spicy. Right, Spicy's good. Right. There we go. Join us, join us for trivia uh, on the other video. Um if you want to. I hope so. On the other be, video. It's be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, the other video we're gonna do. This yeah, it's is a separate podcast, video. Darling. It, it's, it's listened to as well as what it's listened to. I know, I always forget. I'm getting a bit giddy about the it's YouTube the... stuff. So yes, listen to join us. Join us for the other one. Forgetting things. Yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. o'clock on a Sunday night in England and we're going to do another give you another 45 minutes listeners that's how mitted wow. we are yeah. I'm about to go and get a drink yeah. right anyway on that note I'm going to say cheerio see you bye bye doodle pip bye <laughs>